Hello and welcome to a special innovationoz.com podcast brought to you by Infosys. My name is James Riley. I'm the editorial director here and today I'm joined by Lax Gopasetti, the Global Vice President, Business Applications and Digital Workspaces at Infosys. We will be discussing how we can leverage digital technology for a unified, human-centric approach to retail. Hey, Lex, how are you? Hey, James. Good to be here. I'm glad uh, we are talking about a very pertinent topic of uh, digital technologies and the retail. Okay, I've got to ask you this. Now, we're going to leverage digital technology for a unified, human-centric approach, retail or anything else. There is a somewhat oxymoronic point to that statement, isn't there? We're leveraging technology to be more human. So what's going on there? What are we talking about? So, um, no, very, very valid observation. And I think we are in the cyclical mode of where humans were very pertinent in doing a lot of manual stuff. And then uh, we apply technology to a lot of the activities which humans were doing for a long time. And hence, we landed up in the digital era today, where the human influence and value mechanism is getting depleted, if I call me. So I call it as now human centricity is becoming more prominent on the digital world. So in rather other ways, in simple ways, we have digitized the human world so far. Today, we are working on humanizing the digital world. Okay, so essentially, if we're talking about retail specifically, the human touch has value. Absolutely, significant value. So, you know, the shifts have happened from a pure play manual brick and mortar retail to a totally digital e-commerce retail. Today, it is a combination of, we call it as a click and mortar. So there is a e-commerce channel and also a brick and mortar to make sure the transition between the human touch and ease of using the technology both combined. I think this is a very good inflection point to really maximize the benefits of digital technologies and still not losing the human quotient around it. So I wanted to talk about AI. We may as well get into it straight away. I suppose chat GPT and all, all the rest of it. The ability to search using natural language is kind of transformative to that human touch. So AI, I assume, is being adopted at a thousand miles an hour in any kind of human machine touch point. Yeah, absolutely right. The pattern of what is being done as a repeatable activities, how the most of the information can be churned out to provide a decision-making capsule to human. I think all those aggregation and information assessment, yes, AI is doing certainly, absolutely, it is moving at a rapid speed. However, the intuition element, the emotion element, the sentiment element are still being left with human, in my opinion. Hence, there is a combination of what AI is doing from an automation, efficiency, aggregation, creating a lot more forward views and consolidating, connecting the dots across massive amounts of interaction channels. Perfectly good. But how are you going to use the output of an AI to still make a human-centric decision is where I see still the both has to coexist in a very complementary nature. So we're talking a lot in Australia about safeguards around AI, and there's lots of clear examples of where safeguards might be a good thing. Just talk to me about in the retail space, like you can kind of get right to the line of where people might think, oh, that's a, a little bit icky, say, uh, in the use of AI. In tracking sentiment analysis is hardly an example, but where you, you want the human experience to actually be human as opposed to generated. Have I made a point that you can comment? 
let me see if i understood it effectively to see where do you still leave the human experience in the human hands while technology is you know still aiding it across so i take these examples of um, let's say beauty and cosmetics one of the very growing retail sector and it can based on the skin tone based on the composition you can give the ai can recommend what to use but when you have to use it to see how best to use that particular cosmetic product to your benefit in the beauty objectives that is still a human today because that intuition based and context based decision making and to make sure that perfection comes through that is still a human so there are lot of experiential elements in the retail value chain which are going to be human so another example i can give is um, let's say ai can talk about when you are walking in a aisle it can tell you which product is available in what aisle and it potentially could give you what is the complementary products and adjacent products so when you go and say okay you want to know where did the product came from what is the carbon footprint making this product where did the supply came from is this product better than the other product i think lot of that information which happens in the decision process is still a human element of interaction the experience dimension of it eventually ai might get to that stage that yes it can cover the intuition as well well i think a human will also evolve in my belief that by the time ai comes to that stage so we like to benchmark ourselves i mean everyone likes to benchmark themselves just tell me in this market oceania i think you're in new zealand right now but you've been through australia if you're mapping to the application of these kinds of technologies into retail environments here how does it look compared to world's best practice in this area australia and new zealand i think they are fairly up there in adapting the technologies the intention is there the customer base is there to work it out there may be uh, you know adoption complexities could be a little different based on the size and scale of the retail industry but by far i think australia and new zealand both are absolutely up there on their business transformation what they want to do how they want to service their consumers how they want to leverage technology to adapt it into the stores into omni channel space to see where the seamless experience can be given how do they make sure their products can have a better advisory on what next to be done for the consumer space i think a lot of pieces are here equivalent to the global markets the piece i would say where it is little different in the us and western europe markets you might have a lot of loyalty customer base kind of a context because of the retail chains are multiple locations and in the australia new zealand you may not require to necessarily to have the significant loyalty where one person gets one experience in sydney and the same experience comes in canberra or same comes in melbourne probably true but in a large footprint of this region you don't necessarily do that but the deeper analytics which is going into the propensity analysis the consumption analysis the buying patterns the demographics data in fact we don't talk so much on the demographics in the retail space but it should be because not every consumer is with the same age gender expectation and personalization right so there is a huge focus on how to really move from keeping the standardization and also doing personalization so i call it as a dual business transformations standardization keep happening and personalization keep happening in the same speed and that combination is really a, i think the key benefit of how you leverage digital technologies today Yeah it's very interesting. I'm based in Canberra, the seat of the federal government here obviously. You know that standardization and personalization could be applied across lots of different industries and lots of different services. 
including government. I mean, this is a bit left field. Those kinds of technologies and those kinds of analytics and all of the things you've just discussed could equally be applied to some government services, I would think. I mean, I have a very strong viewpoint on what a public enterprise can do it. I call probably that's the largest enterprise in the world today, in every country. And public enterprise touches every consumer, every human in that particular society. No other single enterprise touches that way. So the influence which public enterprise can have on every individual in that particular society is humongous. Now, traditionally, the technology was not the forefront in the public enterprise. But today, because it is a consumer-led technology adoption, public enterprise is going to adapt. Is that is the only way they are going to interface with consumers. In my belief, they, they are going to adapt. They're actually going to foster more innovation than the private enterprise just because of the scale, size, you know, microcosm of society which they run across. I mean, you take public enterprise, every citizen of the world is interfacing with public enterprise one way or other in their life. Oh, it's quite amazing. And they're bringing the expectations that they have from their uh, private sector services, obviously. Exactly. So earlier, it, the innovation used to flow from military R&D to the private enterprise and then go to the consumers and then go to public enterprise. Today, in my view, the innovation is happening in the consumer side. It will potentially go to public enterprise before even the private enterprise adapts into it, then goes into defense. Right. Okay. That's a huge remapping of the human experience, isn't it? I think it's going into where the activism is happening, where the adoption is happening. At the end of the day, we all serve the society, you know, what do you call the for the people, by the people, for, you know, with the people. So... It is all around the people and the retail industry, going back to your retail conversation, I don't think there's any other industry which touches as many consumers as possible in the retail industry. So it is a huge influencer in adoption, like the public enterprise. Yeah, amazing. Okay, well, now that we're talking about people, where are we going to get the people to uh, design, develop, run, operate these very sophisticated AI analytics systems? Like, uh, I mean, whether you're talking retail or government, whatever you're talking about, it's tough getting people. I think you're right. It's not tough to get people. It is tough to get skilled people. I'll qualify that across. And that is going to be challenging, not only now, it's going to be challenging continuously because the speed of innovation is much faster than the speed of learning from people's side. I think those two cycles need to match up to say innovation can move faster, but the learning process, if it is slower, then you don't have the talent for now, obviously, it can got automated and augmented by the, all these automations. But even as a consumer, you got to still go through the learning process. So somewhere in my mind, I think the in consumer-led innovation might slow down. This is my personal view, eventually, because the adoption will be slower. But the profoundness capabilities of technology innovation is going to be repurposed or purposed for larger social impact. So whether we talk about the climate technologies, agricultural technologies, making sure everybody gets a clean air, clean water, clean drinking water, clean food supply, wastage of food, decarbonization. There's a lot of bigger issues which the technology will be infused into it versus purely focused on consumer-led model. Today, the consumers are the active adopters, but I think it is going to shift into the much bigger social issues which need to be sorted out. And technology is probably getting to help with sorting out that. Even just the healthcare industry you can talk about, right? So much stuff we haven't dealt with it. I think technology will move into that mainstream, in my opinion. It's already there, but it is consumers are ahead of it right now. 
It's quite extraordinary, this consumer-driven transformation, you say, moving into the public sector. I'm talking to Lax Gopasetti, Global Vice President at Infosys. Let me ask you this question, Lax, just as a general statement. You talked about skills and getting hold of people and that consumer-led transformation. As a general statement, outside of skills, what's the biggest challenge facing large enterprise clients of yours now? Is it keeping up with tech or is it understanding before implementing? What is it? I think it's a multitude of complexities. Like any enterprise will have multitude complexities. Certainly the talent and keeping talent having a relevant skills is one complexity which they are dealing with. Second, working with their clientele enterprises because today enterprises are moving slower than the consumers. So making sure the enterprises transform through this digital narrative and navigating what next is. Because industries are also transforming through industry 4.0 and 5.0, what we talk about. So there is a transformation happening within that industry. And technology itself is transforming as well to see which technology is relevant for what transformation or what elements, right? That is a third element. And fourth is the, the regulatory framework, policy framework is continuously looking to see how to protect the society from potential vulnerabilities in parallel trying to make sure it creates an opportunity for the new technology to be adapted. I think the enterprises is juggling with these four moving parts continuously and uh, as rapidly as every six months things change in all the four dimensions. Okay, I wanted to ask you what might be a somewhat controversial question, I don't know. We're living in somewhat fraught geopolitical times. There's lots of different tensions pulling in different directions. For a company like Infosys that works across borders, time zones, all that stuff on global digital transformation projects, adds another layer of complexity. How are these things going to wash out? I think it's something which we have to deal with it. And in the previous comment, I was mentioning about the fourth element being the regulatory framework. I mean, it has dealing with people mobility between the countries and geographies, uh, people safety, work being shipped between one country to other geography. It has opened up a lot of, uh, in the specifically in the digital world, the IP context and the rights context is all getting changed to see who owns what and what component is owned by what. I think, as I said, this is a changing environment, geopolitical environment. And, uh, you know, with the Ukraine situation, there's so many places where people got displaced and we had to rework on it. COVID has displaced for a different reason and that is getting to different structure. I think overall the macro trend, I think a lot of localization will happen. And what I mean localization in this context is people used to go and do the work. Today, work will be given to where people are. And thanks to the digital world, which is making the work distribution very pervasive across the world based on where people are. Even you look at a lot of urban cities in a lot of countries, urbanization has happened in the last 30, 40 years to consolidate the talent pool, consolidate the workforce to deliver the work. I think now it is going to get de-urbanization where you know you can pretty much work and operate from anywhere and hence work gets distributed while rather than the people getting distributed. So if you think about regulatory framework, Regulations were done for people mobility. Now, today, that may be less, but now they'll have to regulate on the work mobility. What work can be done where, what cannot be work done when you see the PII requirements and the data privacy rules right now, that is getting a lot more stringent and stringent because the work, which is the intellectual capability and the gross domestic product capability, how much of that can be cross-border? 
So almost like your import-export regulations will come into the digital side after see how your trade agreements are and how your digital import-export regulations will come through. So it's a complex environment which is going to get uh, you know navigated through it. There has been an added layer of complexity, hasn't there? Look, it's been quite pleasant talking and we didn't talk about COVID, but you just did mention it. So it's into the conversation now, you know, that accelerated, you know, digitization of business process and all, all that stuff. Where are we at with that? We're obviously recording this over a, a Zoom-like application, but I, I wanted to ask you, there was that mass acceleration. You find companies are pulling back or they're having to redo work that could have been done better. What does it look like? I think there are four things which has happened, in my view. The accelerated digital technology deployment which has happened across enterprises, I think that is staying there and it is going to stay and it's going to get calibrated to operate in for the current times. The talent pool, the hybrid working where everybody is able to work wherever they want because of the digital connectivity, I think that trust factor and the operating model is also going to stay because enterprises and workforce both have got used to this is a workable model compared to where earlier it used to be the other way around. What is getting calibrated more is about the demand which they were expecting to propel this, you know, the during COVID time. I think that demand is getting calibrated today to make sure it is a lot more palatable in a much longer run growth trajectory than an accelerated growth trajectory across the board. I think that's getting calibrated now. And you'll see there is abundance amount of inventory in the market today because of when the supply chain constraints happened and everybody pumped in whatever the inventory they could produce. Today, it has to go through the system to make sure it is in a, in a normal curve around it. But however, in the whole process, there is a recognition about lack of social capital getting built because of the remote working and then working out of isolation and the human interactions being less. I think in the hybrid work, now there is a huge amount of encouragement to make sure people do come back to connect with people again and get that collaboration going on, get that human experience going on. So I call it as a earlier people used to come to office for work and go home for social capital or go to communities. Today, you come to office for social capital and you do the work at home or wherever you want to work. So I think that dichotomies have changed now. So even the office infrastructure or work infrastructure is significantly changed to make sure they get a very ambient you know, workspace rather than experiential workspace, rather than just a productive workspace. So there are a lot of transformations happening in that space. Yeah, that's very interesting because there is an isolation factor at home. Yep. And it does have an impact on productivity depending on the person, obviously, but that's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but even the digital transformation which has happened, it's less of a productivity, it's more of collaboration. It is not a transactional work, it is a co-creation work. So transactional work still potentially could be done because it's an independent one-person activity, but a co-creation work requires people to come together and think through and be creative. Now, that element is not going to be automated as much as it used to be. Yeah, that's fascinating. Lax, let me ask you this. As a global vice president, you specifically global vice president business applications and digital workspaces, kind of covers everything, doesn't it? What are we actually talking about? Who, who do you work with? Thanks, James. It's an interesting uh, point. So today, the three types of technologies, if I abstract it out, oh, so there are technologies which are working around employee experience. We call it as EX. There are technologies working around customer experience, which we call it CX. And the technologies working around the operational efficiencies, we call it OX. So we say EX, CX, and OX. 
Now, when we talk about employees in the workspace, which we talked about where people are distributed, hybrid workers and stuff. So all of us are using technologies to help our hybrid workforce to do the work. The workspace is getting more intuitive with the technologies. The workspaces where you can work in a restaurant or you know park is getting enabled with the Wi-Fi and other technologies or getting the visually, the video conferencing technologies. So all these things, we call it as a digital workspace solutions. And we predominantly work with the Microsoft, like, you know, Microsoft Office, Teams, Viva, Exchange, Outlook. All these pieces are helping people to do their work, collaborate on their work. And the business applications is where basically the, the businesses gets run, whether it is your financial applications or supply chain applications, procurement applications, HR applications. All of them, we call it as a business applications. And again, work very closely with Microsoft, uh, which has a business application suite. It has a low-code, no-code power platform suite. It has Copilot these days, which is an AI very pertinent topic for our discussion. And then they're pretty much a forefront of AI adoption as well. So it's like basically an enterprise running business and enterprise running employee-related applications are all part of this scope. And we do an extremely good job with Microsoft partnership in driving this agenda in the market. Okay, look, I'm going to finish. Laxco Pacetti, Global Vice President at Infosys. I'm going to finish with a very easy question. This is like a what's your favorite color question. Someone who's uh, been in the biz for a long time, done a lot of transformation projects. What's your favorite business transformation project? Maybe it had a big impact. Maybe it earned a lot of money. Maybe it was just fun. What was the best project that you've uh, been involved in? So best things which comes to my mind is when there was a, a large telecom companies getting merged to form much larger telecom company. And we had to transform that in less than 18 months to create a new telecom company globally. It's probably globally number one, number two today. And to build entire systems technology for them to make the business ready was a Herculean complex task, in my opinion. So I always felt the transformation programs which are making global impact social impact and bringing complex systems and complex businesses together makes it fascinating for me to start addressing how do you navigate that complexity. That sounds like a big job. Lex Kopasetti, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, James, for having me. It's, it's exciting to talk to Innovation Australia. Look forward to more interactions. <laughs>